feeling better, looking better, making life better. It's Life Tips. Life, life, life. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life tips. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Light Tip Show, everyone. Byron White here with Resma Minikim. Resma, welcome. Thank you, sir. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. I think good, the good. Approach, approach and title of your book are really quite interesting. The name of the book is Rock the Boat, How to Use Conflict to Heal and Deepen Your Relationships. This is good news for a lot of people. Let me just thank you for this book <laughs> in advance. But thank you. Tell us a little bit about your, your, your overall thinking behind the book and, and, and how you miraculously came up with a concept of that you know, conflict might, in fact, be a good thing. Well, you know, the reality is, is I've been doing this work for a long time, and, and, and actually couples actually taught me what I needed to know. And, and so watching them and seeing, you know, organically how they worked through conflict rather than, you know, as a therapist, a lot of times we think we need to give tips and things like that. Just watching couples actually go through a process of, 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 and how to use conflict. That's, that's, that's how it kind of came up with it was just actually watching them and studying. Tell me about conflict. Why do some people and really probably all of us have this sort of thing inside of us that, that drives us to uh, whether it be essentially contested concepts where there's not a right and a wrong or conflict as we know it today. What is the driving force in, inside of us that, that guides us to this reality? Yeah, well, I, I think some of it really is that we are taught from such a very young age that that any type of conflict, and especially in the marriage, that any type of conflict is wrong, that when you get together, it's all supposed to be like mother's milk. And I think that, I think that's one of the things that messes us up when we when we finally find somebody, quote unquote, that's our soulmate. It's hard for us to to kind of uh, wrestle with the idea that our soulmate is also going to make us feel vulnerable, and that vulnerability is going to push you right up against your limitations, and that's when conflict begins to happen. And so, trying to get people to understand that this is actually part of the the process of growing up and becoming more of who you want to be is by wrestling with that conflict in a relationship. How does our environment around us, particularly when we're growing up, or, or something I want to call tribal speak, uh, influence our, our inclination for conflict? Well, you know, um, as we're growing up, we, we learn through the environment. Now, now we, also, we, always, we also have our own kind of innate, way of, innate ways of understanding the world, but we also understand the world by what people are showing us, teaching us, and what we're kind of picking up in what I call the resonance field, the kind of vibes and signals that kind of exist that whether somebody says it verbally or not are kind of intimated that this is the way you should behave and this is the way you should act. And I think what happens in, in terms of in terms of relationships, we also learn by watching people about how we're supposed to be in the context of a relationship and what it's supposed to be. And I think in terms of the tribal pieces or, or more of the community pieces, what we're trying to do is figure out how those things actually work individually as a couple, um, trying to figure out how they work and whether or not 
these things that we learn that we learn as a community, whether or not they actually work with this particular person that I'm with. How much does a deep, dark past play into our conflict and the way that it uh, somehow might be a signal for something else? Could you talk about that? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I talk about in the book is that um, there's a piece of when you when you when you're having difficulties in relationships that seem like they that that the reaction to the difficulties are are more overblown or more difficult than we think they need to be. One of the things that I, I think is that sometimes either one or both of the people may need to deal with some traumatic issues, you know, more trauma type oriented issues. Um, and in that situation, I think is is very important that you find a therapist that actually not only knows couples work, but also knows trauma, not just the therapist, the people who have familiarity with trauma and how it actually functions functions inside of people um, and then how that plays out in the relationship. So when you talk about the deep, dark stuff, that's usually what I hear when I'm working with couples, when, when these things get so kind of entrenched, people are using strategies that are just not working. And potentially insane. Would you agree with that? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, you know, when you, when you watch, when you watch it with people, what people actually do is that most of the time we're always trying to figure out ways around our conflict. And a lot of times what I always say when I'm doing some of my teaching and like with schools and, you know, to young social workers, I always say most people don't come into couples therapy because they want to figure things out. Most people want to come into therapy because they're willing to pay you 150 or $200 an hour to help them find a way, another way around it because they haven't been able to figure out a way around it. Mm -hmm. And so people usually come in to try to still hold the hope that they can find either the magical point or find a way around the stuff rather than actually figuring out that, Hey, maybe I got to go through this. Maybe we have to go through this together. Now I'm not talking about domestic violence or anything like that, but maybe we have to go through some of this. So we both learn to grow up in ways that we have been unwilling to want to. Tell me a little bit about approach and tone and style and, some of the other things that are quite relevant for conflict resolution and uh, and, and making yeah leave it, let's leave it at that conflict resolution yeah so one of the things that 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 uh, that I believe is that when it comes to so let me take a, just a little bit of different uh, uh, tag at that question the, one of the things that I've learned is that not all I, I kind of look at therapists as kind of like gauges of steel, right? You, you have some, 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 some therapists who are thick and they can handle reactions. They can, and they're flexible enough to be able to move with it. And then you have some who profess that they're steel, but are actually tin. And so when you start to begin to deal with these types of issues, these very conflictual types of issues, many therapists have not developed the, the adequate amount of tempering and so what happens is whenever anything happens in the sessions, they begin to crack. And one of the ways you notice that they crack is that they immediately move and, 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 and try and move towards technique or giving people tips or giving people things to do rather than being able to kind of contain the type of reaction that's happening and being able to help people kind of cook through it. 
You know, I say, I say, when you're doing this type of work, there, there, there are two different types of heat. Heat can either cook something or it can burn something. Mm-hmm. And many times, many times, therapists are, are are not equipped to actually create an environment in which things can actually cook and help people through the cooking process. And so what they do is they give little tips around communication or different things like that that actually let couples off of the hook. And so part of my tone is to help this, to help couples like say, you know, look, some of this, some of what's happening right now, nothing's going wrong. This is the natural process of, of pushing you right up against your limitation so you can begin to make choices about how you want to be and who you want to be with, that you learn to tolerate some of this discomfort so you can actually move through it. So in terms of tone, that's one of the underlying tones that I use a lot in my sessions is that you, you kind of help people contend with the fact that some of this you got to do with what you want to do is to actually grow up. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the book, you talk so wonderfully, and I want you to explain it, this distinction between a growth cycle, which makes a lot of sense, versus yeah. what you call commonplace cruelty cycle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell, yeah. tell us about that distinction, because it's pretty <laughs> radical. Yeah, yeah, you know, I came, you know, I came up with that uh, with that term by actually watching a couple do things and then feigning ignorance, right? So, 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 so you have one person who was sitting there saying things and doing things, both by omission and you know, pretty overtly doing things that is that that actually is eating their partner's heart, and that's what I call commonplace cruelty. Commonplace cruelty are these things that we know are breaking our partner hearts and are, 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 are basically eating it in front of them and we know it but we do it anyway and those are the those are the common things that we do like you know um like like i refuse to take myself on about my own limitations and i know and i feel and i see the impact that that's having on my life and so i refuse to to do it anyway and i basically just let her eat it or I refuse to stand up, you know, and talk to my talk to my mom about her interjecting into into my life in ways that are that are that are, that are difficult for my life and my wife. And I refuse to, to stand up. That would involve me growing up. And so we do all of these cool things by not self confronting, by not um, 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 taking ourselves on and moving through it. And, and we can become very, very comfortable in that commonplace cruelty cycle. Um, and so the growth cycle, so there's a growth and stability cycle. Many of us, when we get into relationships, want a more stable relationship. That's why we get into it. We want stability. But stability always at some point will push you to grow. Because once you get stable, what happens is that many of us then become uh, 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 sedentary and we don't push ourselves. And that, in a, that, that eventually will push you into a growth cycle. Nothing's going wrong. You will eventually get pushed up against your own limitations. And those limitations are important because they force you to either grow, make your partner uh, either grow up or make your partner um, kind of live with it and, and accept your limitations. But the key is, is when your partner stands up and says, 
I don't accept that anymore. I know that when we first got together, I did accept it, accept that thing, but I do not accept it anymore. And that's when the grind starts to happen. Nothing's going wrong. It's just that's part of what has to happen in order for in order for the, either the relationship to grow or for you to grow. Can you help us distinguish and understand the difference of the rational mind versus the emotional mind in the sense of uh, how different people have different chemical mixes of those two extremes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we're, we're learning a lot about that now with neuroscience development, and particularly in the last 10 years as we study the brain. Um, what's your take on that, and how does that figure into to conflict and, and rocking the boat? Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that my, one of my mentors uh, uh, by the name of Dr. David Snarsh and uh, Dr. Um, James Maddox, one of the things that they talk about, and they say it in, a, in, in kind of a humorous way, they say that when people, when people meet, it's usually the rocks in one person's head uh, uh, fits the holes in the other person's head. Uh-huh. And, what they, and what they talk about is that that's the kind of the neural template, the kind of the cognitive uh, 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 template that people have that they come into the relationship with. And one of the things that, that, that happens is that as people, as people begin to kind of get into a relationship, one of the things that they will find more often than not is that they're confronted when they choose another person, they're confronted with their own vulnerability. And so once those vulnerabilities start to begin to show up, you can either begin to use strategies to get around those vulnerabilities, or you can begin to confront them. Most of us are unwilling to confront them. And, 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 and long, not long term, but, but marriage or committed relationships will always force you up against that. And it will force you to begin to use either other strategies to grow up or other strategies to find ways around it, which I believe changes your neural template. It begins to change the grooves in your brain, in your in, that 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 you always go to, that help you react to things, so you don't even have to think about it. It's just how you are, and I believe committed relationships can force you to begin to challenge those grooves in your brain, so it's not always um, uh, back brain type type you know type of thinking, reactive type of thinking, but 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 the type of thinking that in which you can make choices about how you want to be. And so you're right. Some people are very rational, what I call made more uh, head centered. And some people are very uh, emotional, which I call more heart centered. And it's funny how you find people find each other, right? To kind of fit those templates. And I think what ends up happening is people find those templates and then they wonder why they struggle. But this, but that whole thing is already set up anyway. So you can either begin to continue to rely on your partner for those things, or you can actually use your partner as a template so you can see what it takes to, to show more heart or develop balance around heart. And, and, and that in and of itself, I think, forces you to grow up and also forces you to kind of stretch your neural template. Very interesting. Let's take a break, everyone. Back in just a few minutes. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. 
Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Creating a website is not an easy task, and there are so many companies to choose from. How do I know which one is best? It's a big jump making your site mobile-friendly, generating sales, and answering questions with no struggles. If you want to come out on top, you need Frog on Top. At Frog on Top, we take the time to make your site generate money, not just look good. Our team of experts are WordPress savvy, and our customer service is leaps ahead. See why we say our websites are designed better by leaps and bounds by going to frogontop.com. Frog on Top, your one-stop solution for the web. Frogontop.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point click and it's live in real time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point click and it's live in real time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new 
new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. ZoSocial is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let ZoSocial give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to ZoSocial.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Resma, welcome back to the show. So much, so, so glad you could be with us today. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Tell me, why really in the end of the day, in your opinion, uh, do we uh, gravitate towards conflict? And I want to footnote this question with something that I find interesting. As you know, we're, we're, we're really fighting for attention these days with our spouses and our others and our partners. Um, the advent of the cell phones are popping in our face all the time. It seems like we're getting more and more disconnected as we become more and more engaged in social media and what's happening outside the world. Is it possible that conflict is, is, uh, is, is actually uh, a, a time to say, okay, this is now really serious. We're yelling at each other. Better put our cell phones down and really pay attention to one another. Do you think that's possibly happening? I think it is happening, and I, but but I I think that the conflict though happens way before that that those arguments those types of arguments happen. I think the conflict gets set up, and this is why I kind of look at it as more of kind of a, an ecology of relationships that has its own rules, its own set of rules. Is that I believe that the conflict. And the thing that we call conflict is already baked in the cake of committed relationships. And I think that, that, that these, like the cell phone and, 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 and also, you know, being able to, you know, there's a lot of movement in terms of people's working and working schedule. I mean, work is a lot different now than when my parents were coming up and, and, and the concept of work. And I think, I think all of those things are kind of like the seasoning. I don't think it is the, I don't think it's the meat. I think the meat is that relationships that, that, that primarily will, that some of these things that happen in terms of conflict is already baked into the cake. I think it's, it's, it's that the moment that I choose somebody and I say, I choose you, all of my choices begin to become more finite, more of, more of my life revolves around what you will and will not do. The longer, the longer you're with somebody, the more important they become in your life, whether you like them or not. And I think that's what I'm trying to do with the book is get people to understand that some of this is baked in the cake. Some of these difficulties that we're having about um, important things are supposed to happen because many times they're tied to our integrity or, or our refusal to develop a more sense of our integrity. 
And so that's that's kind of how I see it. I wanted to ask you about uh, this this sort of. Uh, formula for success in resolving conflict, and if you believe there is one. So, so, so I, I believe that one of the first things that people have to learn to do is that they have to learn to soothe themselves down in the middle of conflict. Many times what we want to do is when we're in the middle of conflict, we're looking to our partner to give us some type of validation or some type of, of, of soothing gesture or take care of us in ways at the very time that they're trying to take care of themselves. And so one of the first things I've talked to couples about is it is not her job or it is not his job to soothe you down. You better learn some skills and develop some skills in order to soothe yourself down while you're going through it. Because if you keep looking to them and you keep trying to poach you know, um, some type of emotional understanding or some type of, of, of emotional security, you're always going to be vulnerable and you're always going to be an emotional child. You're going to have to learn to do that in order to be able to move this relationship to the next level. So that's one of the first things is, is learning to soothe themselves down. The other thing that I think that is really important is learning to tolerate the discomfort. Um, many people cannot do that. Many couples, when they first come in, want this to be over. They want it to be done. But when they can begin to learn to see what are the things, what are the important things that need to be fought around and need to, you have to work through the conflict around, and then you can begin to zero in on those things. It helps if you can understand it from the perspective that nothing that nothing is necessarily inherently going wrong, that some of this is what we're going to have to do in order for us to self-confront, grow up, and move through this. Now, when couples first come in, they don't want to hear that. They want to figure out a way around it. But, it, 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 but what I've seen is that those two things, if people can begin to do that, it can set the ground for people to actually cook and do the work that they need to do. Uh, I wanted to ask you about a, 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 a futuristic idea, and it's this formula concept I talk about. I keep keep coming back to conflict resolution, which of course is a yeah. is actually is actually a profession, right? But let me footnote it by yeah, saying right. I was a de- I was a debater in, in in high school and loved it, and had a very systematic way that we either won or lost a debate. Uh, we'd have an affirmative and a negative and all the points of each that were drawn across in our sideways legal sheets. And it was just a beautiful, it was a beautiful thing, a winner would have a resolve, right. often, often very close with, right. a, with a neutral in the middle, right? Could you that's ever right. Right. imagine uh, a logical solution like that um, happening where, you know, the you know the, uh, the the two the two sparring partners, the two t- two debaters yeah. could make their case and and maybe call into a recorded line, and that's their case. And then here's my case. You know, okay. And then right, neut- right. Neut- neutral people would judge and view this outside right. of any right. any knowledge behind it. Do you think that would be just crazy, insane, or could yeah. it be could it be now interesting? That, well, that would be that would be wonderful if. If, uh, if, if we could in some way or another, this have a, have kind of a lobotomy at that time, you know, as soon as this stuff starts to pop up, we, we actually have some type of, some, um, some, some, some part of our brain that was, uh, that was disengaged, but 
honestly, whenever so 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 just a little bit. One of my so I'm I a lot of the work that I do are with uh, people who would necessarily probably be considered type A personalities, right? So they're very logical. So like lawyers, doctors, different people like that who really consider logic as an important element of their life, right? What I've found is they have the most difficult time when this type of stuff comes up because, as you know, relationships and difficulty in relationships is not an A to B type of, of thing. We bring our history into it. We bring all of these different types of things into it. And then we also respond from ways that I think, that's what I said earlier about trauma and things like that. We can respond from ways that are not necessarily logical, right? They're based on our history. They're based on all of these different types of things. So you could be sitting with a couple and they can actually say things and sound very logical until, until the, the integrity or the core of somebody's being gets tapped. And then all of that stuff goes out of the window. So maybe you could come up with that. But what I think actually happens is that even if you could come up with some type of formula, Somebody's going to see that formula, grab it, and rip it up as soon as things start to move. Um, uh, because we're not, we're not, we're not computers. We, we can't, we can't. I, I don't believe, I don't believe you can do that without people actually developing the skills by being tempered within the heat of that particular relationship. You have to, you actually have to go through this stuff in order for you to actually develop some of those skills, just like the same way with communication skills. I think communication skills are fine until somebody starts turning reptilian. And then that goes out of the window. The cognitive, the cognitive part of the brain is not the part of the brain that's engaged at that time. We're clearly driven by storytelling in, in our society. We're understanding yeah. that now. If you look at, at TED Talks, why they're so pos- you know, popular and the passion that goes inside them and the stories we tell. What's interesting about this thirst we now understand ourselves about storytelling is we're, we're interested in the mystery. We want to see what happens next. You know, it, nothing yeah. is concluded. Don't you think that a good argument is, is mysterious in that way? And perhaps that's why, that's why we are driven by it and, 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 and seek it yeah. so much because anything that can happen, you don't know what's going to come happen with this argument you're in. You know, it could, it could lead right. to a divorce, right? It could be incredible, right. you know? And, 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 and right. so we, right. we push ourselves to these extremes, perhaps because it's human nature. Would you not disagree yeah. with that? No, I agree with that. And I, I think the story, see, see, one of the things about, about the, the approach that I use is that over time in, 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 in sessions, what begins to happen is that people's story actually begins to be shown and evolve. And that's when you start to begin to have, people start to begin to have um, um, more compassion not not only self-compassion, but compassion for their partner. Most of the time, people are not telling, they're not telling their partner who they really are. They're only telling their partner what they think their partner will validate. And mm. so over time, what begins to happen is that when you go through conflict, it either forces you to continue to tell that story or forces you to begin to tell the real story. And when that real story comes out, then people have to either, the partner has to decide, can I tolerate the real you, 
or do I need to get out of this relationship? And that's so that I agree with you so much that that storytelling piece is so critical. So, so I think the story piece is, is, is really important, but I think what happens is that people, people over time, as they start to get help, they actually begin to tell the real story. Um, and then, and then that actually creates a ground for people to actually, uh, grow up and accept their, not necessarily accept the partner for who they are, but begin to actually see their partner for who they are. Um, and from, for a lot of us, we don't, we don't, at the beginning of relationships and, 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 and during the middle of relationships, many times we can't, we can't show who we are because, um, we, we want to be sure that our partner is going to validate us. And when we're not sure, we begin to pull that stuff back. We, we get the messages that their partner doesn't like this or does, doesn't like that. And so we begin to pull that back. That's where conflict comes in. Conflict forces us to begin to actually get to a place to where our limitations and our skill sets can be honed and developed better over the course of time in the context of a committed relationship. If you take these two concepts and merge them together that I'm about to tell you, can you tell me what happens in the end of the day? One concept is... (laughs) One concept is we all need to help be held accountable for our decisions, and the other concept is life is a series of checks and balances. But you know, mm. what if we gave into these conflicts? And said, you know, all right, you know, all right, honey, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and you know work all day today rather than playing in the golf tournament because it will somehow make you happy because you think I should you know whatever. Um, right. I have a big presentation coming up and I should be working on it. Right. So. Um, versus, all right, fine, I'm going to give in to that decision to work all day, but I need you to go down and uh, go grocery shopping this week, uh, you know, twice because I don't have time to. So, you know, this, this conflict of, you know, uh, right. taking on consequences, is, is, can conflict be resolved in some logical manner like that, or is that just impossible? No, it can. It, it can, and people do it all the time. People, people make those types of deals, right? But I think what happens with those, with those types of deals is that um, many of us in, in relationships are looking for um, the choice between pain and no pain. Mm-hmm. And what I, what, what I talk to couples about pretty clearly, usually the first or second session, is that you don't get that choice. You get the choice between clean pain and dirty pain. Mm-hmm. And dirty pain, dirty pain is that pain that most of us know in relationships because it's that pain where our integrity is aching, where we know we're, we're making these dirty deals, right? But these deals make us feel like we don't respect ourselves. These deals make us feel dirty. Clean pain is that pain that you get when you take yourself on, you take the relationship off of what it is, and you go through it. It's still painful. You don't get the choice between no pain and pain. You get the choice at each point in your relationship and in your life. You get the choice. You get to make a choice around, do I want to, do I want to make a clean choice or a dirty choice? And we do that over and over and over again. And where you see relationships actually grow is when they have is when people begin to say, "I am going to make." I know I I agreed to that for the last 
10, 15 years. But I don't agree with that anymore. And now we're going to fight about what's really going on in our relationship and what's really going on inside of me. Why do I always give up? Why do I always see that whenever you say something to me, I want to fight you on it and you, you never win? Why is that always my strategy? Rather than blowing it through my partner all the time or rather than always acquiescing, I actually take it on. Many times when that begins to happen, all of a sudden the whole ecology of the relationship begins to shift. But it's only at those moments that things begin to be reorganized because there is a possibility of both peril and progress happening right there at the same time. And so to go back to what you said earlier about that story, that is what, what gives the relationship more juice. When that type of stuff happens, people are scared. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't know what's going to happen. And when you watch your partner make that choice and then they take the leap of integrity and move forward on it, you can do nothing but respect your partner when they make that move because, and trust them, because you know what it took for them to actually be able to do that. And that is the key in relationships is that most people stop trusting their partner way before there's an affair or domestic violence or any, any of these type of demonstrative things. When you watch your partner continuously avoiding self-confrontation and continuously avoiding growing up, you stop respecting them and you stop trusting. And, that, and, and once again, nothing's going wrong. That is a function of a relationship needing to grow up. I uh, we need to uh, uh, ask you about this incredibly important chapter, chapter twenty-two of your book, uh, which is entitled "Why Most Couples Stop Having Sex." Now, let me just let, let me say one thing because I think you'd agree that that conflict and sex are probably fairly intimately tied together. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I but I wanted to ask you there was there was a horrifying sentence in here which which was an observation that you've made it says i have observed that most couples stop having sex for at least 5 to 7 years during the course of their partnership now i want to tell you that i am not in this category okay and this is an alarming statistic this is an alarming statistic that you're throwing out at me here so my, my my first question is, is it, is it really true that people do really over the course of their journey stop having sex for a long period of time? And how do you tie that in with conflict? And why somehow is that an okay thing which you talk about in your book? So, so I want to be clear. I'm not saying that people do it necessarily one year, right? One, you know, seven years or five years straight. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that what happens is that when, when you don't respect your partner, the function, the function of not having, everything has a purpose in relationships. And when people stop having sex, there is a functional purpose of it in the in set or in relationships. And so what, what I've seen is that if you don't respect your partner, you will either, uh, at some point you will either give up yourself or give up the relationship or acquiesce or, 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 or you use these power moves. You will do these things that you know to do in order to get through this different type of stuff. 
at the beginning that that works, but over time what begins to happen is when I say the thing about this dirty stuff, over time what begins to happen is that there's an internal call to actually grow up and do something about it. And so one of the things that people do is that they either stop having sex or they give crummy sex. And if you if if you're the partner on 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 the end of getting crummy sex for 10 to 15 years and you don't say anything about it or you don't call it or you just say okay, I'm all right with my partner getting on her back to get me off her back that that's all right with me, that some point your partner may actually stand up and say, I'm done having sex with you. It is not going to be, if, 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 if it's not going to be something different than this, then I'm not having sex with you anymore. And what, that's what I mean that nothing's necessarily going wrong. So when that happens, now all of a sudden they come into my session or come into my office and they say, well, we haven't had sex for six months. We haven't had sex for a year. We haven't had sex for two years. Now, all of a sudden, it becomes the problem of the person that doesn't want to have sex. And what I say is, no, it is not. If you just, as a therapist, if you go for that, then what you're going to be doing is missing the functional purpose of the, of the sex not happening. And so, what I'm, so what, I, what I'm trying to say is this. You have to begin to look, as a therapist, you have to begin to look at what is the functional functional purpose of people stop having sex when people stop having sex most of the sometimes the functional purpose is the sex that that that's been that they've been having over the past couple of years has not been worth having that's why they don't want to have sex anymore right or one of the partner is so oblivious that 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 when they are having sex with the partner that their partner is not actually in the room and they could care less whether they're in the room. They just want to get off or whatever. And what I say is that when they come into a session, that doesn't mean that, that something is wrong. What it means is now we get the chance to actually address what actually is going on in the relationship, in the bedroom, outside of the bedroom, functionally, not just the, oh my God, they're not having sex. Oh my God, they're not having sex. It's the wrong tack to take when you're trying to help people through these very important, tough issues. So the good news is uh, your book is just out and that's fresh. And we talked about sex on the radio show. So sales should increase 20% almost <laughs> overnight. Uh, the awareness will spread virally throughout the market. But I have to tell you, uh, Resma, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been it's been my pleasure. I can't believe it. What that says this this is uh, this is good. Thank you for having me. Indeed. Um, now I have two final questions for you that the audience I'm sure would love to hear. Who do you want to get a hold of you, and how do you want them to get a hold of you? Anybody can get a hold of me, and and there's a number of different ways. The best way to get a hold of me is through resmarocks.com. That's R E S M A A R O C K S. Dot com. And so they can purchase the book there and they can contact me there. Um, the best, I guess, what the, the way that I think about this is that, you know, um, I, I, it took me about a year, year and a half, two years to write this book. And so I'm open to anybody contacting me and talking to me about things. I cannot, though, give therapeutic advice. This is just, uh, and I can't really give, give advice in terms of you should do this, you should do that. Um, but what I am interested in doing is, is talking with people, especially people that got, that have gotten the book and have read the book, 
I'm very interested in talking with anybody who 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 wants to talk or or or, or need some resources. Well, the world is a better place because of people like you, Resma. So once again, thanks. Thanks so much for writing this great book. Well, thank you. I appreciate you. I hope everyone's uh, life is a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser, and you're now more equipped and ready to rock the boat so you can, uh, through your growth cycle, not your uh, commonplace cruelty cycle. I just love that distinction, (laughs) by the way. Thank you again for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.